book from verses 1 through 4. I do invite you to turn there if you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning. As we look at this, I think it is important to note that Titus is much like Timothy in what Paul is writing about, and that Titus has a duty before God that was, in, in a sense, commissioned by Paul. And that as we look at this, we see that Christian leaders, they have a duty to God, and they are called the faithfulness to him. And as we look at this, we'll see that Titus, if we were to read this in full, we'll see that Titus was called to go to Crete to, to get clear of the error that was happening within the, Crete, the churches in Crete and to establish good, faithful, quality leaders within the church. So I invite you to please stand one more time as we read from the Word of God this morning. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life with God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, Grace and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to open up your word this morning. To just simply hear it read is more than what we need. You are truly gracious and kind to us, and we ask that as we look into this, we'll see exactly what your word says to us today. It is in the name of Jesus, our King, that we pray. Amen. In the 16th century, there was a Protestant reformer in England by the name of Hugh Latimer. Hugh Latimer has such a prominent preaching ministry that even the king of England, King Henry VIII, asked Hugh Latimer to come and preach before him. Mr. Latimer could not decline. It was the king of England. This king had all the authority to kill Mr. Latimer. So as Latimer sat in his study and prepared, the message that the Lord laid on his heart, he soon realized, would be one that the king would not want to hear. The day finally came, and Hugh Latimer came before the king, and he cried, Latimer, Latimer, be careful. You are in the audience of the king of England. Be careful what you say. Would you be careful because he has all the authority to chop your head off. Latimer then pauses. And then he continues by saying, Latimer, Latimer, do you not realize that you are in the presence of the king of kings, who's at his very throne, the throne of the king of England, will soon bow down. Be careful with what you say so that, that it might please your father. He preached the message that Christ laid on his heart to the king, knowing that the king had the authority to kill him. He was faithful. By the grace of God, he lived through that, but eventually, King Henry VIII's daughter, Queen Mary, killed him for his faithfulness to God. Church today, Christian leaders are called to faithfulness to God 
It is a noble calling. It is a divine calling to be faithful to God. This morning, we're going to be looking at the three duties of the Christian leader. So first, notice with me that the leader's duty is found in his position. Notice with me in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ. And we can stop there because first we see that Paul displays that he is a servant of God. Now, if we were to look through all of Paul's writing, this is a unique occurrence because most of the other places he put, he is a servant of Jesus Christ. And we recognize that both Jesus Christ and God are similar, but this phrase, a servant of God, actually goes back to Old Testament literature. Uh, I want us to look at, real fast, uh, Joshua 14.7. And it's not on the screen, but it's just one verse, and I want to read it to you real fast to show you what I'm meaning by that this is an Old Testament language. In Joshua 14.7, it writes... I think I wrote down the wrong one here. I'm in Judges, not Joshua. I'm in Judges. So let me go to Joshua, not Judges here. In Joshua 14, 17, it speaks about Moses. And I want you guys to listen to what is used of Moses in Joshua 14, 17. Or 14.7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea. So we see that Joshua notes that Moses, the highest figure in Jewish culture, was a servant of God. We can also see in Psalms 89.3 that David, the great king of Israel, was also denoted as a servant of God. A one writing servantship writes this. It is applied to anyone under the authority of another. Paul was under the authority of God. He was not under his own authority. He was under the authority of God, just like we are today. The servant of God is called to be faithful to God, not to himself, but to God. Why? Because he is faithful to his master. This word servant is the word doulos. In the Greek, this means slave. And now, today we think of slave like what would happen, you know, earlier in American's history where it was a cruel thing. But slave within the context of the Bible often was a great thing for that person because they was lifted out of poverty and placed in a home of somebody with, that had affluent wealth. This is a great picture for us today because we are servants of God ourselves because we we're destitute in our sins, and God has placed us within his family. But I also want us to note that we're not just in considered slaves of God, but we're considered friends of Jesus and also children of God, all because of who Jesus Christ is. A servant of God faithfully obeys God. He does not obey other men, he obeys God. And it is wise to remember that we are faithful to God in his call on our lives. We must remember that, church, that we are to be faithful to who God calls us to be. Following with this, we also see that he is called to be an apostle. Notice with me, Paul is serving God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
Now, if we were to go look at Galatians chapter 1, we see that Paul says his calling to apostleship did not come from man. It came from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the one who commissioned Paul. Paul did not commission himself. The church at Jerusalem did not decide that Paul was this great and wise and intelligent speaker. Therefore, he needs to be an apostle. No. Jesus Christ called Paul to be an apostle. Now today, we recognize that there are no apostles today. There are no alive apostles today. In fact, there is actually one um, church, air quotes there, church, it's actually in Ohio, it's, I think it's north of Dayton, Ohio, and they claim that you, we don't need to be talking about Apostle Paul or Apostle John or any of these people. We don't need to be quoting the Bible because they have set up 12 new apostles and they supersede the apostle Jesus Christ called. So they are in fact saying, we don't need the Bible, we just need to know what Apostle Ron says. But today, church, we recognize that the Bible, the Word of God, is the sole authority on our lives. Amen. When we say the Apostle Paul writes or says, we are more or less saying, the Holy Spirit wrote this. Paul was simply just the one who pinned it down. David was simply just the one that the Holy Spirit moved along and pinned down the words. We're not putting you know, our reverence on who Paul was, but on to whom Paul was called by. We must keep that in remembrance as we go about our day, that God calls us, and when we show respect to other people, we are not showing respect to them as an individual so much as we all are showing that Jesus Christ was the one who called him into that position. As we continue, we must also understand that when someone is unfaithful, disaster awaits. Do you guys remember that time when David came up with this great idea? God told him, don't count the ar your army. Don't count the strong men you have in, in Israel. And David had this great idea. Let's count the people. Let's see how many people we have. David did it, and God sent punishment. The angel of the Lord came and wiped out thousands and thousands of Jewish men simply because King David decided, God, your plan's great, but mine's even better, God. Look at my plan, God. Look how great my plan is. We know how strong we are now because look how many men we have. Why all along, all Israel needed was their Lord. All Israel ever needed was their God. When David realized this, he came before God and repented. We can also look at King Saul, the predecessor of David's kingdom. Before David became king, there was King Saul. And I want us to look real fast at 1 Samuel 28 to look at this mishap of Saul. So turn with me there. It will be on the screen as well in 1 Samuel chapter 28. What is happening here is we're seeing the very end of Saul's kingdom. We're seeing the very end of his reign because of his unfaithfulness. In 1 Samuel 28, In those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. 
And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said, said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now at this time Samuel had died, and all Israel mourned for him, and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul, the king at this time, had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Sunim. And Saul gathered all of Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when the, Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on the other garments, and went he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Surely you should know that what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed down with his face to the ground and paid homage. And when, then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and has become your enemy? The Lord has done this to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this to you this day. We see here what happened was when Saul was unfaithful, how was he unfaithful? We see that Samuel tells Saul, that the very moment you sinned against God by not destroying Amimelech and his people. Do you remember that Saul was called to go to Amimelech and wipe out the entire people? The Bible tells us that Saul was to wipe out every man, every woman, every child, all the animals, everything. There was not to be one thing left. Well, Saul carried out part of it. He, again, much like David, said, God, that's a great plan, but these sheep, they're, they're good-looking sheep. We'll keep these. And as he's coming back from war, God goes to Samuel and says, Samuel, go to Saul. And as Samuel goes to Saul 
And asked Saul, did you do what the Lord asked? And Saul said, yeah, I did it. I did everything he asked. And Samuel goes, why do I still hear the sheep bleeding? Why do I still hear the sheep bleeding? Why? And Saul said, well, I had this great plan. We could use these for sacrifice. But he didn't just keep the sheep. He also kept the king alive. Saul was unfaithful and disaster happened because after this occurrence, when he went to the witch at Endor, Saul lost his life. Not only did Saul lose his life, but his sons lost their lives in that battle as well. When unfaithfulness occurs in the life of a believer, disaster is sure to await. Not only do we see that there's a duty in a person's position as a leader, we also see that the leader's duty is found in his calling. Notice with me as we continue in verse 1. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life with God who never lies promised before the ages began. Paul was responsible for the message of the gospel. Today, church, we are responsible for this very same message. Paul's position is to preach the gospel. He is pointing Titus to preach the gospel. Remember in 2 Timothy, when he's writing to Timothy, his very last letter, what does Paul say? Timothy, preach the word. In both of these writings, in Titus and his letters to Timothy, he's always talking about get rid of those who do idle talking. Rebuke those who come up with these vain topics. Don't allow them to talk about Jewish genealogy and myth. No, preach the word of God. But notice who the preaching is for. The preaching of the message of the gospel is for God's elect. Notice with me. It's for the sake of the faith of God's elect. And when we ask, who are the elect? The elect are those who believe in Jesus Christ. So those of us who are believers today, the message of the Bible is for us. The message of the Bible is for the lost. But it's also for us to build us up. Do you remember, church... There are three processes of salvation. You are justified, meaning you are free of the guilt of sin. You are being sanctified, meaning that you are being removed from the power of sin, and then eventually will be glorified, meaning that we will be removed from the presence of sin in our lives. When we say that the preaching of the gospel is for us today, as believers, it is for our sanctification. It is for us to grow in Jesus Christ and to look at him and to behold him as he truly is as our Savior. This preaching was to benefit the people of God. Do you guys remember or recall what was the duty of Paul? What was Paul? He was a missionary. He was sent out. He went from city to city to city and planted churches. We see that with the Thessalonians. We see that with the Corinthians. We see that with the Ephesian church. 
but he was also sent to build up the church. As we're going through Romans, Paul did not plant the church at Rome. When he is writing to the Roman church, Paul has never even set foot in that church yet. He's writing to them to build them up, to encourage them. And may I remind you that when the people of God are saturated by the word of God, godliness will happen. When we are fully saturated by the word of God, when the word of God is the very basis of how we act, of who we are, we will live a changed life. Notice with me what happens through this responsibility of Paul. We notice that it was for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. But notice, which accords with godliness. And this also gives us hope of eternal life. Notice verse 2. And hope of eternal life, this hope is a great hope. How do we know it's a great hope? Notice with me where this hope comes from. Which God? This hope comes from God. And notice what Paul says about God. He's a God who never lies. And this God who never lies, what did he do? He promised to us. When did he promise to us? Before the ages even began. We are promised to have eternal life. We have hope in eternal life. We have hope that we will be built up in the faith all because of the word of God and through the word of God. This ministry of Paul was to give hope of eternal life and it was through the God who never lies. This is the responsibility of Paul. And I want us to notice that Paul's responsibility does not equal authority Why? Because Paul's authority rests on Jesus Christ. Paul's authority rested on the hope of God. Our authority today rests in the Word of God. Nobody has as much authority as the Word of God on our lives as the Word of God. Yes, we can certainly look at great authors of the faith. We can glean from them. We can listen to these great preachers. But at the end of the day... We must ask ourselves, is that what the Word of God says? We must seek from the Word of God to validate what is truth. We do not go to outside sources to seek if what the Bible says is true. We do the exact opposite. We look to the Word of God. This is the calling of Paul. Next, we'll see that the leader's duty is found in his responsibility. Notice with me in verses 3 and 4. And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. And he gives it to Titus. He's given this to Titus to give him an example of what a, de- what a qualified, a good Christian leader is to look like. Why? Remember, church, Titus is, his job is to build up the church. His job is to train elders, and put them in the church at Crete. Why? Because the elders currently, as we'll notice if we continue in verse 10, look, for they are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcised party. So we see 
that all of this, and Paul even goes so far to say that one of the prophets of Crete even said this, they are lazy, they are evil beasts, and they are gluttons. These were the people who were leading these, this church in Crete. Paul sends Titus to build up elders. They give the church exactly what they need, and that is qualified elders, qualified pastors to lead that church. This is a great responsibility of Paul. And as we notice, that at the proper time, it was manifested in his word. Remember, church, that at the time Paul is writing this, likely the only other um, canon scripture that may be at this time would probably be some of Paul's earliest writings, which would be Galatians, possibly James, everything else with Old Testament. But as, as he's going on, and as we see with the close of Revelation, there is no more new Revelation we have the complete canon. The mode that God uses to build up his church today is his word. It's the preaching of his word. It's examining the word of God. Church, do you remember what the Bereans, why they were noble? They went to the word of God to see if what Paul was saying was accurate. They went to look at the word of God and and they examined the word of God, saying if what Paul was really saying, if that is what God was saying himself. Today, church, I think it would be wise if that is how we acted. That with everything somebody says, we go to the word of God and examine it. Is this exactly what God is saying in his word? We have a, a noble duty we must also recognize that God's message has always been the same. And that is salvation to the lost by his own grace. We can see this in the Old Testament because they were supposed to bring blameless, spotless lambs and sacrifice them. Why? Because it was a shadow. It was to show who Jesus Christ was. Their faith was that God was gracious to save them when they sacrificed. The message today is the same. Why? Because we look at the Son of God as the Lamb of God. The sacrifice of God to God that appeases his own wrath. Why? Because we are sinners and we need salvation. We notice that he was entrusted. And I want to park here for a little bit that we see that with which I have been entrusted, the preaching of the word of God, Paul was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. The ministry of the gospel was put into the trust of Paul. Paul was a steward of the gospel for the sake of the world. Today, church, we are also stewards. We are to watch over, we are to take care of the gospel. We are to present the gospel to the lost. We're to present gospel to the church. We're to present the gospel to ourselves. We must be vigilant to be stewards, to be good stewards of the grace of God. We should not act like the grace of God is only for us. The grace of God is for every person. The grace of God is given to every person. 
Church, Christian leaders have a divine calling on their lives, on their lives. And they are called to be faithful. And today you may be asking, well, I'm not a leader within the church. No, you may not be. However, you're a leader at your job. You're a leader within your home. Anywhere where you are at and you would reckon that you are the only believer, you are the Christian leader in that setting. We are called to be faithful. We have three qualifying duties. We have a duty of our position. No matter where we are at, whether we are in high school, whether we are at our job, whether it's just in our family, we have a duty to be faithful in our position. We have a duty to be faithful in our calling. Remember, church, we are called by God. We are set apart by God to give God glory. We are called to be faithful in our duty of our responsibilities. Our highest responsibility is to give glory to God. Our highest responsibility is to preach the gospel. But I'd also have you know that you also have a responsibility in your homes. You also have a responsibility at your jobs. You have responsibilities otherwhere, other places as well. And you're called to be just as faithful to that as you are to the word of God. Why? Because those who are in authority are set in authority by God. May today we remember as we leave here that we are called the faithfulness no matter where we are at. I want to ask you guys to please bow your heads as we close. Church, today we are looking at, we looked at Titus and how Titus was called to a great task and how Titus was to fulfill that task and who was an example for Titus. I hope that as you listen that you recognize that we, just like Titus, have a great responsibility before us. That we seek to please God. As Eugene plays, we'll have an, an invitation. And I ask that you guys please come. If you're not saved, we, we have people who can show you from the Word of God how to be saved. Maybe this morning you also recognize that you have, in a sense, felt in your faithfulness to God in your duties. Your faithfulness is not one that says, I will be faithful tomorrow, or one that regrettably looks at yesterday and says, oh, I wish I was faithful yesterday. No, your faithfulness is called today.